0: Today on Growing Grace we're pointing toward the one that can satisfy your eternal thirst.
1: When you recognize you have a thirst, he's not talking about the normal thirst that we all have for moisture. He's talking about a thirst for meaning, a thirst for knowledge, a thirst for understanding. Why am I here? Where am I going? Is there anything after this life? Jesus said if you thirst for that, Come, invitation. God is saying, come, have a relationship with me, and then drink, take in me.
0: Zion I all now build with hands and in this place got to dwell with man. Sick be Ill, and the crippled stands singing hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son. Selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harm. World known me by your love. There are some times in life when nothing but a tall glass of water will satisfy our thirst. Not soda, milk, or even sport drink, right? Well, today on Grow in Grace, we'll see that only living water can quench our spiritual thirst. And maybe that's what you're in need of today, as you're empty, dry, and thirsty. Pastor Ed Ray takes us now to John chapter 7 with more about the water formulated by God to quench our spiritual thirst.
1: The Gospel of John chapter 7, verse 37 this morning, as we work our way through the Bible verse by verse. On that last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, on the scripture, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But thus he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Therefore many from the crowd, when they heard this saying said, truly this is the prophet, Others said, this is the Christ. But someone said, will the Christ come out of Galilee? Has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the seed of David and from the town of Bethlehem where David was? So there was a division among the people because of Jesus. Now some of them wanted to take him, but no one laid hands on him. When the officers, the temple police, came back to the chief priests and Pharisees. They said to them, Why have you not brought Jesus? They were sent to go arrest him. The officers answered, No man ever spoke like this man. Then the Pharisees answered and said, Are you deceived? Have any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed in him? But this crowd does not know the law. It's cursed. But Nicodemus, he who came to Jesus by night, being one of them, said to them, Does our law judge a man before it hears him and knows what he is doing? They answered and said to them, Are you also from Galilee? Search and look, for no prophet has arisen out of Galilee. Are you sure? And everyone went to his own house. Let's stop there and pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have. Set down for us the very words that left your mouth so that we might study it and we might grow in the wonder and the knowledge of you. Teach us now, send your spirit to teach us so that we might draw closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people agreed by saying amen. Amen. Rivers, plural, of living water coming out of you. I love the story about the old preacher from Mississippi who was giving his yearly sermon against the evils of alcohol. And he said, if I had all the beer in the world, I would pour it in the river. And the crowd said, amen, preach it, pastor. He said, if I had all the wine in the world, I would pour it into the river. Amen, amen. If I had all the whiskey in the world, I would pour it in the river. Hallelujah, good word. was over, he sat down. So the choir director came up and he said, for our closing song, please turn to page 365. We shall sing, shall we gather at the river? (laughs) Now I'm not recommending that river to you, but I am recommending that you go to the river that Jesus is talking about here. Now if you've been traveling through the Gospel of John with us, all of chapter 7 takes place during a important feast day, a day when Jews, males 20 years old and older, if they were within traveling distance of Jerusalem, had to come to Jerusalem for the feast. It was originally seven days long and then they added a day so it's an eight-day feast And it's there that Jesus came from Galilee. A significant trip when you were walking 70 miles. But he came there because he also was required to be there. And he comes during the feast all alone. And it's the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, it's also called Sukkoth and booths and tents and lean-tos. Because the people would go out of their houses and live in these like lean-to's for eight nights. That particular feast closes out on the eighth day with everyone sleeping for a week, basically under the stars, and the mom and dad would use that time to talk to the children and tell them the story of the Exodus, 40 years. Very important feast, kind of like Thanksgiving. It's in the fall, and it's in thankfulness for the harvest, for the food that God had provided. So. At this feast, there's two symbols, two very important things that are done for them that remind them of this exodus. Number one, these booths, these lean-tos with palm fronds or willow branches on the top, and then water. Remember, it's commemorating now the 40 years in the wilderness, and they saw God supplying water as being the most important thing that happened. So we have... Man that came down from heaven but they focus on the water and so since it was 400 years before this time for 400 years every fall the high priest would go down to that pool that is the pool of Siloam and it is coming out from a tunnel that King Hezekiah built it wasn't very far from the Temple Mount and so it's about three blocks he'll take a golden pitcher and fill it up with water, and then he'll walk in a procession. That's the, and they go from there to this site. And this is the steps that go up to the Temple Mount. Of course, the temple's not there now, but you can see the archway that Jesus would have walked through. Now we always stop there because it's one of the few places in Israel you can say, wow, Jesus was right here. I mean, he might've been 10 foot over there, or 12 foot over here, but these steps, are in fact carved out of the bedrock. So you can say, these are the very places, the very place that Jesus put his foot, if you will. And it's not like, you know, especially blessed or something, or you turn into a pumpkin if you stand there. That would be a mixing of metaphors. That's, I think that's Cinderella mixed with Jesus, sorry. But it's a thrill. You need to go to Israel and all of the New Testament, all the whole Bible will open up to you when you start reading about it and you realize you were standing there looking at it so that's what's happening here last day of the feast they would do this procession of about three blocks high priest leading it flute players people singing the Hallel psalms that's psalm 113 through 118 and we don't know what the Melody line was like, but we know the words. They're recorded, of course, in the book of Psalms. And they would get there and he would stop and his pitcher would be empty. On the eighth day, there's no water. And this is to remind the people that they didn't have any water out in the Sinai, but that God supplied. And so it's this day that Jesus comes up and it's commemorating Numbers, chapter 20, verse 10. When they were in The Exodus, Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock. You remember there was a rock that spewed out water after Moses hit it. And he said to them, this is the second time it happened. Happens twice on the Exodus. He he said to them, hear now you rebels, literally idiots. Hear now you morons. Must we bring water out of this rock like Moses could do it? And then Moses lifted up his hand, and he struck the rock twice with his rod, and water came out abundantly. And the congregation and their animals drank. But God said, Moses, you need to come to my office. We've got a couple of things to talk about. Because he was supposed to speak to the rock the second time. So God does everything in order. And the first time he he would smite the rock, which the Messiah would be beaten. And the second time, is to represent you and I being able to speak to the rock and water comes out. That's exactly what we're looking at here. So Jesus comes up on the last day of the festival after they had marched around for seven times to remind them of the Jericho march around the city of Jericho, all the symbolism going on. But they were silent on the second day until a trumpet was blown and That last day is the day that it's being described. There are two sections to this part, pretty simple, that rivers bring life, the first section, and that rivers bring change, in the second section. It's really speaking about you, about me. Jesus is going to say, if you believe in him, if you confess your sins and surrender to him, then the Holy Spirit will come into you and out of you will come rivers of living water. Something spiritual will happen to you and you will become the source. God is the ultimate source, but through you, your life will touch other people. That's where he's going with all this, that the Holy Spirit takes a residence in us. Now, if you've never heard that before, that might sound strange to you, but that's what Paul wrote to the Romans. He said, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. He takes up a residence, so then out of you will come spiritual things, a spiritual river, because rivers bring life.
0: You're listening to Grow in Grace, and Pastor Ed Ray is going through John right now. Here's the second half of Pastor Ed's message from chapter 7.
1: Verse 37. Now, on the last day, the eighth day, that great day of the feast, the Feast of Tabernacles, Jesus stood and he cried out. Now, the whole crowd is there. They've got no water to pour out because the priest has an empty pitcher. Jesus is standing on those very steps we just looked at, and he said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. If you thirst, come drink. And that's the steps to a relationship with God. When you recognize you have a thirst, he's not talking about the normal thirst that we all have for moisture, he's talking about a thirst for meaning. A thirst for knowledge, a thirst for understanding. Why am I here? Where am I going? Is there anything after this life? Jesus said, if you thirst for that, come. Invitation. God is saying, come, have a relationship with me, and then drink, take in me. So, if anyone thirsts, if you recognize you have a spiritual thirst, if you recognize there's something that's missing, or maybe what usually happens is you find yourself trying things that don't work, you go through life and you think, well, if I just had a college education, everything would be perfect. Well, what today that means is you'll have a lot of debt. I'm not saying don't do it, but it doesn't solve all your problems. Well, if I I just would win the lottery, 17 times more likely to be struck by lightning in California. That's the truth, that's the numbers, that's the statistic. Well, if I just had a better feeling, I know I'll go to the doctor and I'll get a little blue pill or a little pink pill or a little white pill. I just, when I'm feeling down, I'll just feel better. When you recognize that's not working and we have all these things we try and do, but you have a thirst, it's not being satisfied with things you've tried, then come to Jesus. That's what he's saying. Come to him. Oh, it sounds so simple, Pastor. No, 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 we're all control freaks. We don't want to come to him. I can do it myself. I do it the old fashioned way, I earn heaven. How's that working for you? Nobody earns heaven. Nobody's in heaven because they were good enough, because they went to church enough because they put enough money in the offering plate, because they read their Bible enough, because they prayed enough. All the reasons that I grew up hearing in a church, you know, they put a gun to my head and took me to church for the first 13 years of my life. And I heard all those things. Well, if I just do enough good things to outrage the bad things, then I'll go to heaven. Guess what? There's not enough good things. (laughs) There's never enough good things. But God gives you grace, grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. God's riches given to us freely. When we don't deserve it, well, I don't know if I want it if I don't deserve it. Come talk to me after the service, if that's what you're thinking. So nobody gets in because they were good enough. Everybody gets in because God gives them grace. Said it another way, come to me and accept me, Jesus speaking, and I will put into you through my spirit a new life which will give you purity and satisfaction and give you the kind of life you have always longed for and never had. The Rolling Stones got it wrong. I can't get no satisfaction is the cry 30 years later. I can't believe they're still singing. But you said drugs are bad for you, Pastor. They are. Try and carry on a conversation with them. God the Son is standing, inviting, and encouraging fellowship. You thirst, you recognize it, you drink, and then in that relationship of coming to him, you'll be changed. He who believes, verse 38, he who believes in. Now that should sound familiar if you've been traveling through the Gospel of John with it. 98 times John uses that phrase, believe in. 98 times he says, you must believe in God. But if you would believe in him, you will be saved. Believe in. And when the Holy Spirit takes 98 times in 21 chapters over and over again to say that, maybe we should think, I'll bet that's important. Believing, having faith in Jesus Christ, trusting him is the first step. Well, wait a minute. I don't know if there's a God or not. You must believe and then you will understand. You have to take this step of faith. Well, I can't see it, I can't taste it, I can't smell it, I can't weigh it. That's the God of self, five senses, right? Unless I can hear him, he can't be real. How about the wind? Have you seen it? So God is saying to us, If you'll recognize your need and believe, okay, Lord, I'm gonna believe. I'll believe for 30 seconds that if I ask you to forgive my sins, you will. Please forgive my sins. That's what He's waiting for. And then he'll begin to work in you and you'll become understanding because you have taken the step of faith. Trust in, cling to, rely on God. Even for a short time. In fact, here's my challenge. You pray that prayer quietly. Say, God, if you're real, show me in a way I can't deny it. God will answer that prayer every time. Now, this is a, going back decades, a 26-year-old atheistic scientist who prayed that, thinking I was safe. Well, God won't do anything. Okay, God, if you're there, show me. Boom, he showed me he was real. So God takes that little bit of faith, even just praying. Everybody prays. Foxhole prayers, if nothing else. As you're skidding through an intersection where somebody's run the red light and you see him coming in slow motion, your whole life goes in front of you at Alabama and San Bernardino. <laughs> then you'll pray. <laughs> the only thing bad is that he answered, God save me. And I'm here, I'm stuck here again. I got to heaven. Peter said, nope, sorry, you're going back. (laughs) If some of your visitors, I got in a horrendous accident. A guy ran a red light and crushed my truck out. Leaving church on a Saturday night. I mean, how holy can you get? But he crushed my poor little 55 Chevy truck. And they gave me, all you got to do is, let somebody hit you by running a red light and they give you a new truck. But I don't want the new truck. I want my old one back. I love that truck. Okay, might have been an idol. He who believes, where were we? He who believes in me, verse 38, trusts, clings to, relies on, even for 30 seconds. As the scripture says, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Okay, heart, why heart? The Jews believed that the heart was the center of emotions, of reason, of logic. And actually, we think of it that way still. Well, she broke my heart. We still use that. We know that it's, you know, eight inches off. It's in your brain, but we say heart. And it came from out of the innermost being, out of the, who you really are, will come this river of living water. Living water. Living water is water that was not stagnant. So you go to Israel, they still have cisterns, and they would, if they're going to build a house, they'll cut out a about a three-foot square block, three foot down a cube, cut it off and lift it up, and that would be the cornerstone for your house. And you'd keep doing that until you dug out a cistern. It ended up, well, I was in one in Israel that was as big as this room, 100 by 200. And it was the same height, 45 feet. All that would be water. They'd direct all the water off, the, the rainwater that comes off the roofs, et cetera, and the streets down into the cistern, and that would be their water supply during the summer. Well, it was full of wildlife, okay? We had blue-green algae and daphnia and all kinds of little bugs. You go up into the San Bernardino Mountains, now a gazillion years ago when I was a Boy Scout, they said you can drink the water that travels over rocks and sands after it's been that has run for about 30 minutes. Well, that was before there were septic tanks in Mountain Home Village, but we won't talk about that. So that water was running, but it wasn't living. In fact, it had all kinds of E. coli and other bugs that could kill you. So they talked about living water as water that was fresh. Out of it would come life. So here's a river that's running through a desert, say, and the sides of it would be teeming with wildlife as well as flora and fauna. Okay. So if you would believe, then that would bring eternal life. Now, God has used this illustration over and over again in the Old Testament and in the New. In Ezekiel 47, Ezekiel's a prophet in the Old Testament, and he described a temple that is to come. It's not there yet. Someday it will be in Jerusalem. Right now, there's a Muslim high place there, but someday a temple will be there again. And out of the side of it, supernaturally, miraculously, will come a river, and it will be fresh water, and it will flow down to the Dead Sea, and it will make the Dead Sea full of life, and it will have an input and an output, and then all of a sudden the land will flourish.
0: Living water is what we need to survive and thrive, and God has plenty of it to go around. Thanks for listening to Grow in Grace as we continue our journey through the New Testament. Today's message from Pastor Ed Ray is a part of our study in John's Gospel, and you can hear it again at thepackinghouse.org. You'll find all of our recently aired programs right there at thepackinghouse.org as well as an archive of Pastor Ed's messages. We're also on YouTube and that's a great way to live stream our services or watch recently delivered messages. Search for House Christian Fellowship and if you prefer to have a CD copy of today's message, just call toll-free 844-77-GRACE Again, we're here to serve you at 844-77-GRACE. As we continue to get the word out on stations like this all across the nation, we're looking to our listeners for help. Even a small donation can have a large impact by God's grace. And whatever comes in goes straight to the ministry. When you support Grow in Grace with a gift of any amount today, be sure to request our featured resource, It's a book called Why Revival Tarries by Leonard Ravenhill. This is a no-compromise call to biblical revival and spiritual excellence that we all need to hear. You'll see the great disparity between today's church and the Church of Acts. Again, we're making it available for a gift of any amount. Just give us a call at 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. Would you like to put a smile on our face? Just shoot us an email and let us know you're listening. It's so helpful to hear if a particular series is benefiting your walk with the Lord. It's encouraging too. Our email address is packinghouseradio at aol.com. That's packinghouseradio at aol.com. We have another study to look forward to in the Gospel of John next time on Growing Grace with Pastor Ed Ray. We'll see you then. This program is listener supported and brought to you by the Packing House Christian Fellowship in Redlands, California. Son, all with hands and in this place gotta dwell with man. Sick be Ill, and the crippled standing. Hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son, selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love and harmony. Let this world know me by your love